Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. My name is not Matt King. That's true. I, I said your name. That's true. Okay. Weird. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. You know, my name could be Matt King through the miracle of legal name changing. He's the king of all maps. Your bar for miracles pretty low. <laughs> With a miracle of triplicates. Joining us all the way from Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, one of the pastors there, Lee Younger. I knew Matt before all of you, and I'm still on the show. That's true. That's technically Two true. Yeah. Lee said that as if there were some kind of campaign to try to get him off the show. <laughs> like he out He said that like he was Nixon. And, right, you know, yeah. Nixon. Look, here's what I'm saying. I'm still people here. Are <laughs> people are doubting my commitment to the show. I'm still on the show, people. I've uh, never doubted you, Lee. I, I, if I'm under protest. Come with the Lee, you must not, not miss. Unnecessary wire reference, a show I've never watched and aren't going <laughs> to. I declare an emergency. Do you? <laughs> because apparently people on this show forget to declare emergencies and people are like are is this an emergency or is it not the well, show's first album was good but then they changed that well you know what I we're already like eight inside jokes deep on this show it's an emergency people well Th- that's what's happening is it a real emergency glenn um well uh first of all it's an emergency that we haven't been declaring the emergencies properly you're not so, you're not you're not emergency crying wolf here are you no that's it's an emergency about the lack of emergencies it's kind of a meta emergency procedural then. emergency it's a, it's which is the best kind of emergency yeah absolutely sure. And so that's emergency number one. Okay. And then there may be other ones. Oh, there's like nested emergencies. Yeah. It's like wow. the Russian nesting dolls. Sure, Matryoshka or... emergency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so the emergency is that we didn't declare it last time? Right. Right. And we feel like, so it's the emergency that basically there's there's a clear descent in the amount of care that we yes, take with this podcast. That's right. Like Lee doesn't bother to show up. Right. He's we not don't here. bother to declare emergency. Right. How much Ma- care did we ever take about the show? <laughs> I think the emergency is going to be that nobody's going to be listening to this show pretty soon because we just go in an Ouroboros of saying the word emergency until it's lost all meaning. <laughs> emergency! Well, I emergencified the emergency about the emergency. Movie reference, inside joke, movie reference. I'm feeling good. Does anyone have any actual problems or should we just get to the wisdom, which is why people are here? Hashtag emergency. <laughs> <laughs> I did it again. First of all, to be clear, I hate all of you. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to start there. And I sense. have an actual emergency. I don't even oh, believe it. Oh, well, I was hoping we could get on with the show, but A fine. classical emergency. Okay. Whoa. A Greek emergency. Really? Whoa. That's fancy. Yeah. I also feel, and you folks will realize this soon, that all those shenanigans was just a setup to get me to read this email, because... Uh, this one doesn't go well for me, but okay. I've fallen into Jed's trap. I'm intrigued. We get this email. It comes in from our friend Matthew down there in the Carolinas. Lovely. He says it has an extraordinary uh, subject line for an email. You know, if you do the marketing stuff and read things, you say you have a strong subject line with MailChimp or whatever. This subject line 
If you're sending an email to me, Spartan Bachelors and Matt. Ooh, I'm Ooh, intrigued. That's yeah. odd, but you know it's exactly right. There's a lot, there's some intrigue there. There's some mystery. Right, I got to right. figure out. What, I got to read past the headline. I got to figure out what this is. Right. That's what they call clickbait. That's exactly right. Yes. That's what the kids call it. Yes. You know. The email reads, "Hey guys, I don't know how to get in touch with the other members of Say That, but I hope this classical emergency." Makes its way to them. Oh, first of all, you don't really need to be in touch with us. No. no. We're important, busy people. we got a lot <laughs> sure. going on. So. I like implying that there's some sort of, I keep some sort of kind of Politburo <laughs> embargo <laughs> on the information that that's a little true. That's you know, kind just, of. You just send that email off to Matt. <laughs> well, let him take care of that. <laughs> <laughs> These are our stage names. Yeah, I keep a very J. Edgar Hoover hand on the amount of information that these yokels get. All right. Iron grip. Yeah. I hope this classical emergency, capitalized as well it should be, makes its way to them. In archaic Sparta, every year, bachelors were made to publicly strip mm. in the middle of Sparta and were then whipped by married Spartan women as a punishment. I'm not right. suggesting we do this to Matt, since he is single. Oh, I, I think you are. But it is an ancient exemplum of what happened to some ancient bachelors. Right. And Matt, you can thank the Wake Forest University Classics Department for this emergency. And this isn't the first time the Wake Forest University's Classics Department has made an enemy of me. (laughs) (laughs) Is he calling you an ancient bachelor, first of all? Well, that would be accurate, but I don't think that's what he means. Okay. I think he's referring to the Spartans on that. Okay, Here's my... I got several questions. Please. Okay, I'll just start at the top here. Yeah. Does Matt need to be naked? Hmm. Because... Uh, historically, <laughs> the answer is always no. Because the, the idea of him being berated in general has a certain appeal to me. Yeah. But being Choose your ber- next sentence carefully. But being, <laughs> <laughs> but being berated while naked, that's a little... When you add whipping to that, now it really feels like a bit... You know, a bit it's, much? It's a bit much. Okay, you know? that's question one. Uh, so that's not as much a question as a horrifying statement. <laughs> but then question number two... By the way, thank you for taking whipping and making it creepier. I appreciate that. <laughs> Someone I've never met emailed me about physical corporal punishment right and right. You, you made that far far more disturbing and that's a gift uh, you have it's, also it's, public that's my spiritual gift uh but now here's the second question i have is, oh i'm excited for this one is is this supposed to is this supposed to make matt more motivated okay see what i'm saying or will it be a deterrent because mm. you know he's uh he, he, it's not good for the young man's confidence. Sure, you know absolutely, saying? absolutely. You know, uh, so I, I'm not sure. You know that, that this is complicated. It Wait, really but is. is. It possible? I'm sorry to cut you off, Jeb. But is it possible that the whole thing is is kind of a vetting process? I mean, how does this young man stand up under public humiliation and pain? That's... Well, I've been doing this show for about 200 episodes, so pretty good, <laughs> I think. So you're saying marriage involves pain and humiliation. Well, that's not a stand I would take, but it's a brave one for you to take. <laughs> that is what, what Lee said. Is... Totally apropos of nothing after some certain careful editing. Yeah. <laughs> 
What I'm saying is, do we know exactly everything that was entailed in the ancient Greek process and motivation and mindset? How many different ways can you slice this? Look, one of the many roles I have for this podcast is I will do no outside reading. Well, that's definitely for the best. Here's the thing. Let's just, because this is the problem we've got. You got to picture it in your mind. Nope. That would make it a worse problem. Okay, so Matt's (laughs) naked. Don't do that. That, that, The first thing is Matt's naked. No, stop saying that. There's a bunch of women (laughs) who have gathered around his naked body. Right, okay. We we have a clean tag on (laughs) iTunes. You're going to cost us the clean tag. Now, they're yelling a lot of abusive things at his naked body. That's not even in the email. Right. That's you editorializing that. no, the the so that's and then whipping him. Right, see what I'm saying. Right. Now some people are into that, and sure, I, that's I don't cool. judge. That's I don't, cool. I'm not here for judgment. Right, you know, that's not that's not how I am. Right, but if you're not, uh, uh, if you if if, you're, if that's not your thing, see that could be taken as a negative. I think that's totally true. So uh, I think there's maybe one or two things about that that need to be tweaked. Well, we were discussing this, you know, a little bit ago. But this is clearly the plot of the. Third I'm going to need you to movie. define this. We were. <laughs> Discussing this. We were discussing Matt's public humiliation. Thank you. Right. Um, as done in ancient Sparta. It's, right. It's clearly the plot of the third 300 movie. Sure. Well, it's the... They're out of CGI budget. It's clearly the plot of the third 300 movie with the Mr. Gray crossover. Ooh. You know Fifty Shades of 300. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Boom. We got a hit. Yeah. 300 wait, Shades wait. of Gray? I'm about to say, how do, you, how do you miss 300 Shades of Gray? Uh, 300 you know. Shades of Gray. That's what we're talking about here. And this is... You are you, fired from this marketing department, Jay. Uh, I'm talking about uh, license to print money, y'all. Yeah. yeah three, we're talking about, we're going to, we, that's going to be a hit record starring Matt the Spartan bachelor, yeah, who you know has experiences and things, yeah, and you know pushes his personal boundaries, yeah. Stop it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but in the end, you know, no, like he, stop it. He finds love. No, stop it. You know, stop it. <laughs> You've taken a an innocent email. From a, a no, student, it wasn't that innocent. From yeah. a student at a prestigious <laughs> Southern Ivy right. emailing us to share some knowledge he has discovered in his studies. Right. And you made it dirty. Are you we, proud of yourself? We did we did make it a little dirty. Not we. Sure. <laughs> Not we. <laughs> you. Well, I, I'm just saying I think if if you're naked and, right. and shivering, right, and surrounded by a group of ladies, putting you're putting so much detail into this that was not there right. in the it, email. You know, it wouldn't hurt. To you're hear officially it. writing fan fiction at this point. Is what's happening? <laughs> That's a little true. Here's what I'm saying: is it wouldn't hurt to hear a few encouraging words. Absolutely. You know what I mean, like right. uh, you know, not bad. Or you, know. <laughs> or, you know. Wait, are, are we suggesting that's the plot of 300 Shades of Grey? It's like, you know, he's being publicly humiliated, right. but there's like one still small voice in the crowd saying, yeah. you're not so bad. Yeah. That's and like, it. that's the beginning. That's the spark. That's how you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the whole thing. Like, hey, you know, maybe we've got something going maybe on. Maybe work here. your core a little more, but it's, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. been worse. Right, right. It's constructive criticism. You know? Absolutely It's not right. just whipping, you know, right. you, 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 you get a little bit of a you know it's a tough word but it's it's for your own good you know well here's here's what i'm gonna say you a, gotta blast um, your quad did you, i you mention that i hate all of you 
<laughs> Many times. Good. Repeatedly. And I think that's, that's warranted. Now, we, I, I feel the need to point out, again, that I occasionally have to do, that all your wives listen to this show. Yeah. There are going to be meetings. Yep. Before oh, yeah. we declare emergency off, because yep. you're already in trouble, anything yep. else you want to get in under the wire? No, that's... Uh, I've, 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 I'm you already... You want to the clip? I'm already pretty deep in the dookie. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I've enjoyed myself. Okay, great. Lee, how you feeling? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right. <laughs> On that, I declare... Uh, Hey, girl. <laughs> I'm not putting in the bed music again. You know I'm not like these other guys. A little bit. Sometimes I like to poke a little fun, but, you know, and the truth is, uh, because of you, I'm a better man. Yeah. And on that basis, I declare emergency off, girl. And there, there is a deep truth in that. Glenn is a far better man for his wife. Imagine what he was like before. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> really bad. Really. Re- she has really fixed a lot. Yeah. That's true. Including, and this is not a joke, your sense of uh, behaving appropriately in public. Oh, yeah. Is light years better than oh, it was. no doubt. Again, just consider the starting point. Well, the, yeah. the word Jane always, that I've heard Jane use is the word civilized. Yeah, yeah. So that gives you a clue. Yeah. 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 Well, here's the thing. We 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 often go off in just horrifying ways from relatively innocuous um suggestions, emails, tweets, the like. So we've learned an important lesson that when you send in something that has even a hint of somewhat innocent scandalousness to it, these degenerates will just take it to the moon. Yep. Right. Just right off. Right. So here, you could, audience, you can take that in a couple ways. One, you can say, I got to be careful what I send them in. Mm. Or you can say, I'm just going to wind it up and watch these monkeys dance. Absolutely. Right. That's what I would I'm do. I'm going to see what I can send in to see how weird it gets. And uh, either way you want to play it, we're fine with it. That's right. So here's the thing, folks. We, uh, if this is the after dark of Mission USA and Mission <laughs> USA Productions, which it it certainly is. Our uh, our cuddly, front-facing family programming is Bridgebox. Safe for the years in the backseat. Safe for the years in the backseat. Bridgebox is wholesome. It's constructive. Yes. We've had the materials, both the Bible studies, the songs were not used in churches yes. on Sunday morning. P- people use them behind bars. It's it's very good. It's great. Constructive. Yes. Safe. Yes. Right down the middle. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yes. <laughs> so if you rightfully listen to this show and go, their heart seems to be in the right place, but I don't know what's wrong with them. There needs to be more editing. That's Bridgebox. That's where you get that. <laughs> there you go. That's the carefully constructed product. This is the ravings of insane men. Right. Who are recording late at night and have been through a lot. If you want, if you want things that have gone through a second draft. Yes. Where we've listened to and said, could this, come, could this creep someone out real, real hard? Probably. Bridgebox. <laughs> MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Check it out. You can go to missionusa.com slash bridgebox, and there's some trial stuff. You can download a song, a Bible study. Those are yours to keep. Decide if you want to sign up. Only $8 a month, and it does go to support the ministry we do right here on the streets in the jail in Chicago. And support Lee does down there in Tennessee. Lots of good stuff. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, There's a guy I really, in all caps, 
like, but I'm not sure if he likes me. He picks on me a lot. I even catch him looking at me in class, too. And when we're, each, when we're with each other, personal space isn't a thing. I don't know what that means. I just copy and paste what the people say, but that's what it says. Personal space isn't a thing. But he's also a really nice guy who's nice to everyone. All my friends think he likes me. What do you think? Lee, kick us off. Uh, if you like him, you should uh, ask him out. It's 2016. Let's do this. Just ask him out. Say, hey, I like you. We should go hang out sometime. Let's, uh, let you know, let's get rid of all the questions, the awkwardness, the whatever, and just ask him out. Now, the, the for me, the one possible thing that could give you pause on advice like that is just really uh, probably the movies that you love with the English manor houses and the big mm. hoopy dresses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing on that is... Uh, all of those movies are complete and utter fiction. Yep. That's not the way relationships work. That's not how people fall in love. It's not... Um, the, the, the romantic movies are not helping. That's where... Let, let me just say that. It, you know, you can enjoy the movies and, and you like those stories and everything, but they're not helping you make decisions the, the way that you should. It, it's kind of like <clears throat> if you... If somebody felt like, if they watched, you know, the Avengers movie, and they felt like, well, that's the definition of what actual heroes in real life look like when they're saving people. Yeah. And that's that's not what it's like. I mean, real heroes saving people, it's messier, it's less flashy, it's less magical, it includes fewer, it just so happened moments, you know? And so it's the same thing with these romantic movies. It's the, the real thing in real life is less flashy, less magical, less, you know, it's it's messier and it's riskier in the whole thing. Um, it takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of vulnerability, and you definitely could get hurt. But here's the deal, is that what you want in a relationship is you want this closeness, this intimacy, and you can't have that without the risk of being hurt. And uh, and, and we're beyond the point of, you know, this thing of where, uh, you know, two people are kind of stumbling around in the dark trying to figure out what flirtation is and stuff like that. And then we have committees of the girlfriends and committees of the guy friends getting together and trying to figure out, you know, through uh, through divination, does this person like right. me? What, what would happen if we were to actually have a human conversation? Just go ahead and have the conversation. If you don't want to just straight up ask the dude out, you could say something, you know, the stuff we've said on the, on the show before. Hey, you know, if you asked me out, I'd probably say yes. You know, something like that. But the, the main thing here is I, I'm trying to think what could possibly be holding you back on that. And and if it's if it's this idea that, you know, we just kind of hang out and he pats me on the shoulder or whatever it is, whatever this, whatever you mean, there's no personal space. We kind of pal around, we flirt a lot, but he kind of flirts with everybody. And then one day our eyes are just going to meet. Mm. Mm. And then we will know that we love each other. And then we will be happily ever after. That's not real life. And so it, there's a conversation and words that have to happen at some point. That's absolutely good place to start this. And Jed, maybe you can pick that up for us. There's obviously we're not going to we can't answer the question of whether this fellow likes you or not because we don't know. We don't have that kind of research department. But we can look at you know what are the things that are leading to this question and what are the underlying. So we talked about in the last episode. What's the underlying thing going on here and what do we want to diagnose on that? So much dig a little deeper on that. I appreciate that. So. Uh, you say he picks on you a lot. I mean, yeah, that can, particularly for very, very young people, that can be a way of, of showing interest. It's a deeply immature way of showing interest. Right. The, the, the way that a mature human being 
shows interest is saying, I am interested in you. Right. I would like to spend time with you. Of course, we're, we appear to be talking about people in high school, so uh, expecting a male who's in high school to act like a human being is... Maybe a bit Asking much. a bit. I even... Frontal cortex. <laughs> <laughs> Though I will say, Jed, to pause you right there, um, it's, it's something absolutely worth saying. Uh, we... we we only have the amount of information we're given in a yeah. question here. So sounds like you're saying there's a nice dude. He teases me sometimes. I think that means he likes me. We're going to take that at face value. Now, yeah. there's a certain level of, you know, uh, being mean is not a sign of affection. It a sense of actually there's abusive patterns or things like that. So we can't address that because it's not in the question. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of operating on the assumption that this is totally – Benign. Uh, grade level, you know, he teases me about my shoes as a way of paying attention to me. So, exactly. but a great point, Jed. Definitely worth pointing out. That's what we're assuming this is, and we're not. Nothing we say can, will apply to other situations that may have different motivations. Absolutely. So, if he's if there's light teasing, yes, that probably means he likes you. I catch him looking at me in class too. That's probably a good sign that he likes you. And this is what you wrote. And when we're with each other, personal space isn't a thing. What I think you mean is you stand very, 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 very close to each other in close physical proximity. Mm-hmm. And yes, again. It's like the nature specials. Like the nature specials. <laughs> that's that's almost certainly a sign that um, uh, he likes you. And also all of your friends think he likes you. So yes, he probably likes you. But the thing is... Um, you know, uh, what are you going to do about it? You, sure. there, there's a million ways to phrase it. You know, if you asked me out for a cup of coffee, I'd say yes. Um, I like you. Do you like me? Check yes or no. Sure. Um, you know. And none of that making a third maybe square stuff. Yeah, no, no yeah. maybe square. That's no some maybe. psycho crap right, right there. Um, you, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, <laughs> none of that. There's the always popular, so are you going to ask me out or what? That's always a good option. Yeah. But but here's the key thing. And, and um, honey, we actually – we've got your back on this. We believe in you. But here's the thing I want you to look at is you have something that you want. Um, it's a good thing. And you have something that probably is an open door for you. Every good thing in your life as you move forward is going to require you to be bold to take a hold right. of it. Yeah. There is – we're talking about relationships, but there's not a single good thing that's going to come into your life that doesn't involve boldness on your part. Yep. Not one. Right. Um. Uh, that's partly the way the world works. It's partly the way that the Lord works, but that's just life. Every good thing, everything worth having, including relationships, requires boldness on your part. And that means there's always a risk of, of it not working out. There's there's always a risk of you misread the signals, you misread the signs, it's not really what you thought, and he says, oh, no, no, it's not. It's right. not like, I really do think your shoes are dumb. Right, and I'm really right. in shoes. And I just I was concerned. I didn't want to, you know, didn't want you to go out and be embarrassed. I was just trying to give right. you some advice on that. I'm, right. you know, I'm an aspiring. I toddler. actually do hate you. I smile when I say the critical thing, <laughs> thing but I, I really, really hate you. <laughs> I really hate you. But here's the the one other thing that that I want to add is there's something intoxicating about being in that. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Moment. Yep. And you have you have butterflies in your stomach and whatnot, mm-hmm. and it's it's easy to be in place of I don't want that to end. I just I mm-hmm. wanna I wanna savor that. And I get that. I really do. And mm-hmm. and we're not telling you that you're bad to enjoy that, because you're right. not. And right. it, it makes sense. But here's the thing. There's there's two things to look at. The first is that doesn't last. Yeah. I mean, because it's it's a feeling. It it, it burns off. You you get bored with playing that game sooner or later. But the second thing is an actual relationship is infinitely more satisfying than the momentary butterflies of maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Yeah. The thing about where you're at right now is you can enjoy that with no risk. 
And it feels right. like, why would I mess that up? I've, I'm enjoying these sensations, and it costs me nothing, so right. isn't, isn't that great? Right. But the answer is, in the long term, it, it's not sustainable. It doesn't work that way. An actual relationship is sustainable. A good one is. And it's worth having, and it's worth the risk and whatnot. It's kind of like on, on Christmas morning, you have gifts that are waiting for you. And yeah, there is kind of a giddy sense of anticipation of, I wonder what's in that box. And it, it could be anything, and it's amazing. And I, I want to take my time, and I want to unwrap it slowly, because I really right. want to think you know shake it maybe it's this and that's cool and that's fine that's no problem that's part of the fun of giving gifts but at a certain point you do actually want to open the gift right so that you can take a hold of the thing that's inside that mysterious box that and and god wants that for you and we want that for you it requires boldness but you've got what it takes to do that we believe in you so get after it absolutely right and glenn maybe you can pick up that because the the key word here is vulnerability and that's kind of what we're missing what we need to inject some of absolutely i i think if you uh, what what you're looking for, which and and frankly, I think most people look for uh, before they begin a romantic relationships of any kind. If if this is your first boyfriend kind of situation, or or one of the first, you're looking for a setup where I would have zero vulnerability. Yep. And I would have all this intimacy and love and whatever, whatever. You don't have the intimacy and the love and the romance without the vulnerability. That's actually the substance of it. That's what makes it good. When you say, I love you to someone, and you experience the, you know, second and a half where you're waiting for their response... (laughs) Your entire life flashes before you. Your heart stops beating. You think you might die and all of this. And then some. Then someone says it back. That's what makes it great. Yeah. You. You. The, the. If. If you don't put that vulnerability out there, you are not uh, a romantic. Yep. You do not. You are not engaging in romance. You're not having a romance. You're not. You 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 cannot be in a, a romantic relationship without mm-hmm. that vulnerability. So we shouldn't try to not have it. I think the only other thing I would add to all of this is to look at it this way. I think when it comes to making decisions like this, we have a tendency to spend a lot of time saying, uh, 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 when we're not sure if we want to or that we will do something, we spend a lot of time asking ourselves, should I do it, should I not? Does he like me, does he not like me? It, there's so many wrinkles and so many different things to consider and so many different ways of looking at it. Here's the thing. You said, there's this guy I, all caps, really like. Okay, right. here's the thing. You like him, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Whether he likes you or not, doesn't matter. Are you a romantic? Do you want to be in a relationship with this guy? Because if you want that, it doesn't matter what he wants. Yeah. You tell him what you want. If this is what you want, to, you know, that, it, it, getting in this mindset of, I want this, but he's got to initiate, he's got to do all the, the hard work or whatever. This is not what relationships are about. If you want it, that's all the information you need. So here's here's what I'm saying. This is the point I'm I'm I'm, I'm making. Decide today you're going to say something yep. to indicate mm-hmm. your interest. I'm not talking about asking him out. I'm just saying decide today you are going to indicate interest and decide today you're going to do that by the end of this week. No matter what. Once that decision is made, here's the magic thing that's going to happen. 
you will think of what to say. Yeah. Because all your brain yeah. is on, how do I say this without sounding weird or sure. crazy or whatever? And you'll start to think of something. You know, it's easy enough. You know, uh, yet, it, yes, you have to find a way of expressing that that suits your personality and, you know, fits the kind of relationship you already have with a guy. But, you know, if you ask him, you know, if, if you go to him and say something, for example, uh, you know, why aren't you dating anybody? You're, you're a good-looking guy. You've got a great personality. Uh, any a gal would be thrilled to go out with you. And, uh, you know, if you don't make a move and ask someone out that you're attracted to, you may lose your spot and someone else will ask her out and then you won't have that <laughs> person to go out with. So maybe you should prey on it. <laughs> you know. Now that some, may backfire because he may say, "You sound a lot like my nana." Those <laughs> yeah, are things she right. says, but good work out. You know, wh whatever the thing is, uh, you'll figure out what to say yeah. if you to, if you make a decision today. I'm going to say something that clearly indicates my interest. That's that's your that's your part in this. If you're not going to do that, forget about being attracted to him. Forget about dating. Forget about romance. None of that exists without that moment of vulnerability. Well, you're absolutely right, and that kind of takes us back to a place where Lee started this. There's a popular conception, which before you have any relationship experience, really all you have are kind of popular portrayals sure. of the whole thing, be, yeah. be that media or just kind of stuff you pick up from friends or whatever, that there's a level of flirting, banter, whatever you want to call it, where that just keeps happening, and then that hits critical mass, and the meter fills up. And relationship happens. Yeah. And the part that, as Lee points out, gets left out of novels and movies and TV because that's all fiction and there's just a guy writing it who can just say, and then they fall in love. And nobody has to say it because then they just do it because <laughs> he wrote it in the script. Mm -hmm. But as, as Glenn pointing out here and as Jed alluded to, um, and no, no motion without action. And really, action always requires vulnerability, particularly in relationships, but really in anything. If you want to take something from one station to another, there's a moment of vulnerability because you're admitting, I don't like where this is. I like this better. Mm -hmm. Right. So anything that there's a kind of anything worth having involves a little risk and that's okay. Cause there's really two outcomes. One, uh, they'll say, yes, that's good. Two, they'll say, no, that'll be a bummer, but you won't die. Yep. And then you'll right. realize that it's just fine. You'll yeah. be slightly sad for a little while and then not sad. And a very quick tack on, Somebody named for me a movie where a young woman is super attracted to a guy and then uh, is vulnerable in front of him and asks him out. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist. You have a lot of these movies where there's two hot guys dying to get with this gal and she doesn't know what to do. This is a crisis. I don't, I don't know. Who, who am I going to go out with? So many guys want to date me. It's <laughs> like, I don't know what to do, y'all. It's so hard. You know, but there's not, you don't have that, you know, there, there's, this is what life is. You, you, you know, you see these men being romantic or two at a time to sure. each one girl in the movie. But this is a situation where it's your turn to be romantic. Right. Yeah. That's a great point to pick it up on that, that the, the stories, all stories that you consume follow a, the same structure, as a matter of fact. And there's got to be drama. There's got to be tension. So there may be a thing where there are probably you probably somebody out there thought of examples of a romantic story where the woman does the uh, the outreach, whatever, 
But in the same thing, actually, it's the same thing with when uh, Story with Man does. That's the end of the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Because that's where the conflict comes is the will they, won't they is conflict. Mm-hmm. That's what, so the whole thing, again, turns out that even movie, you know when you see a movie that says based on a true story, it's super not. Yeah. Right. If it's happening in a movie theater, it's fiction. And then we have reality. Reality involves vulnerability. Absolutely. We're going to our last question here. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to do a, a little more of a deep dive on this because there's a lot of meat to this question. So we wanted to, we'll probably do a little uh, longer segment on this. But there's a lot of good stuff in here. So the question came in and it said, how do you know when you've done enough to help someone, especially when you're having trouble helping yourself? When is it okay to say no when people ask you for help and still be a Christian about it? Jen, why don't you kick us off? All right, so we're going to start with a Bible verse. Uh, this is in the Ooh, book. that's of, official. Absolutely. It's not quite as good as the C.S. Lewis quote, but pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I might work one of those in later. Sure. Uh, it comes from the book of Philippians. That's in the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. And this is the first chapter. And I'm going to read you verse 9 and, and the first half of verse 10. And it's out of the NIV. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. All right. Now, here's what we know from that. It's a great passage. What we know is that God wants us to love people. There's no question about that. That's his will for us. That's his desire for us. But he wants our love to be smart. He wants it to be insightful. And he wants it to be wise. In other words, God wants um, our love to be based on thinking as much as it's based on feelings. Mm-hmm. We have a sense of thinking that love is, is a feeling in our chest, that, that love is um, a bunch of emotions that we have. But actually what this verse is, is pointing to far more is that love is deciding to be devoted to a person's good and then figuring out how do we do that? How do we live that out in a smart, insightful, wise, strategic way? That's absolutely right. And one of the things we have to, when we start from here, is the idea of why are we helping someone? What, are we, what do we want to get out of that, both for ourselves, for the Lord, the whole thing? So there's a certain emotional high that comes off helping someone. Sure. You can want to get some more of that. It can feel very guilty when you kind of remove that. So one of the things you have to start out with is getting your own kind of, your own feeling emotional state right about that maybe lee maybe you can help us figure out what the right starting point for that is yeah absolutely one of the things that uh that i think is really important is that if you're going to help people through a difficult time that you have to do some kind of work for yourself a little bit before you get there um you you need to decide um and this is going to sound it's going to sound weird particularly if you've never helped anybody or counseled anybody through a difficult time before, but anybody who has done any of it is going to know exactly what I'm talking about. But you have to decide early on before you enter into conversations with these people that you're not going to let your feelings get hurt. Mm. Uh, You have to decide that you have to know who you are and know that, that this person that's going through a a rough time, I'm not going to actually give them credentials to have like a backstage pass on defining my self perception of myself. Mm-hmm. I can't do that because people that are having a rough time, 
they oftentimes they're hurting, they're they're uh, emotional. They 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 may lash out, they may react poorly to to something. They may they they may not have uh, command of a lot of the you know just the just the way that they're responding to information or the way that they're hearing things. And you have to decide early on that before I go to help this person, I know who I am. And if, if the Lord is calling me to be in this, I'm going to be in it. If the Lord is calling me to tap out of it, I'm going to tap out of it. And, uh, you know, you know, whatever this person says about you're not helping or you don't understand or whatever that thing is, I've got to decide early on, I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. I'm going to, as Jed was started us out on this, I'm going to love this person through this. And that may mean telling them something that they don't want to hear, but I'm I'm not going to, uh, you know, if they're upset off of that or whatever, I've got to go ahead and decide. I know who I am. I know mm-hmm. I I know what I'm doing here. My goal is to help this person, and uh, and I need to get some some stuff settled about me. Otherwise, I will not be able to help. If I if I'm if I'm getting my worth or my value from helping this person, I'm not going to be able to help them because. If they're upset with something or whatever, that's going to tank me. I, then all of a sudden, I'm tail spinning out. I've got to know who I am before I go in there. Say that, man. Yeah. That's a fantastic point. And Glenn, maybe you can pick up for us here. So once you've you're kind of in the got yourself in the headspace, your right position. I mean, actually, goes a lot of this goes back to a thing we talked about in the last episode, which is we have to start out with healthy boundaries, right? Because and that's not that's not a bad thing. That's not a harsh thing. Everything everything revolves around that. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to look for opportunities to set boundaries. I think we wait until things get out of control. Then we say, OK, now I need to set a boundary. It, that's the wrong time for it. it yeah. Everyone who's who's had to set a boundary after things have gotten out of control mm-hmm. the, have to answer that really unpleasant first question, which is, why didn't you say something sooner? Yeah. yeah. It's, well, you know, you know. Uh, I was hoping you would just figure out what's wrong with you and stop it, you know, whatever, that kind of thing. Um, But I think uh, in healthy relationships, you're looking to set those boundaries. That's that's a positive. You're looking for uh, those moments where you're helping people understand what, what are the limits to this thing. How far does it go? If I say yes to every single thing you ask me, there's going to be a point where I, where I'm suggesting to you that you can ask me anything, and I'm not applying any wisdom that, like Jed was talking about, knowledge and discernment. If I'm, if I'm never thinking through what you're asking me, uh, then I'm sending you a message, and it's a bad message. Mm-hmm. People will take advantage of you to the extent that you let them take advantage of you. That's it's a really ugly, unpleasant thing to say. Uh, it's also super true. Okay, yep. so the idea is, in relationships, this is going to sound weird, but in relationships uh, of any kind, I want to look for an opportunity to say, uh, if not no, to look at an opportunity to say, I can't right now, mm-hmm. or I would like to help you with that, but I'm unable to do that at this time. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, uh, uh, or uh, yes, I can help you with that, but just to let you know, normally I wouldn't be able to do that, but on this particular day I don't have anything going on, so that would be okay. So kind of beginning to show them the shape of where that boundary is mm-hmm. and that they're approaching it 
and that that's okay but just i'm 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 showing that i'm uh, there are limits to this stuff and mm-hmm. and and that that's going on i think that's a healthy part of being a christian is to discern those areas and have that confidence in god that i'm not trying to people please i have to answer to god i'm sure. i'm not trying to get everybody to like me that's not the the goal right. so if i set those boundaries early it's going to help everything yeah that's a fantastic point. There's a, there's a, a phrase we throw around a lot on the podcast, which we've probably defined, but it'll be very helpful for this discussion to define it further. And Jed, maybe if I can get you to talk about what the line between help and enablement. That's a great mm-hmm. question. That's a great question. Uh, so help is help. Um, enablement. Thank you, Jed. Yep. <laughs> well, let's let's start with enablement. Enablement is it making me making it easier for you to do things that will hurt you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what enablement is. Help is me making it easier for you to do things that are good for you. Right. Um, and the the way that you can be sure of the difference is what does this thing accomplish? Mm-hmm. Right. If I do something with another person, if it's going to accomplish something good in their life, it's help. Mm-hmm. If it's going to accomplish something bad in their life, it's enablement. Right. That's that's the acid test, and it's important to look at that because those two uh, in the earlier steps can look pretty similar to each other, and can be it can be easy to to get confused on it. But it, let's be crystal clear: God is calling you to help people, no question. That is a hundred percent yes. As a Christian, in fact, you have an obligation, a duty, if you will, to help other people. God does not ever want you to enable other human beings. Right. Right. That that is always no. Even if they beg you, please, please, please enable me. The the answer is always no. So the way that this works out is that people will come to you and oftentimes they will ask for something that sounds like help. They'll say, I have problems. Right. And that sounds like I need, I need help. Then they will say, here is what I think we should do about the problems that I am experiencing. Right. Uh-huh. And this plan will involve enable me in my bad decisions. Let, right. let me give you an example that, that we deal with um, all the time, you know, uh, working on the streets of Chicago. Someone will come and they will say, I, I have no job. And I have no way to get to a job interview, and um, so this is this is my problem. Can you help? Well, obviously the answer is yes. Of course, I you know I'd love to help. And say, great. My plan is you give me fifty dollars, right? And then I will go. I will have fifty dollars. I will have fifty dollars. Right. With that fifty dollars, I may purchase. A transit pass right. with which I will go to many job interviews, right. hopefully concluding in a job offer and then thus rectifying the job less situation that I'm currently facing. Right. The smart and um, uh, observant amongst us may note there's no guarantee that that $50 gets used for the job process. Right. It's far, far, far more likely it will get used for other things, probably right. things that are bad, probably things that rhyme with crack. Right. Okay, so you've come to me and you said, here is my problem. And we can, we can all agree that is a problem. That's, that's no good. But then you've begun to propose your solution to this problem, right. which is actually just going to make your problems worse. Right. Plus, it's going to be something, if I give you the $50 and you misuse it, which is super, super likely, you're going to tempt me to not want to help you. 
Right. Which has now made your whole situation worse. And you'll feel guilty. You'll dodge me. You know, Exactly right. Exactly right. So again, the reason it's so important to be clear on the difference between help and enablement, and again, help improves their situation. Enablement makes their situation worse, mm-hmm. is oftentimes people come asking for help, and then their plan is, here's the way I want you to enable me. Mm-hmm. That's a really solid point. And Glenn, maybe you can unpack for us, because you've, again, you've got a lot of experience with this. I'd like to pick up more on what Jed's saying there, that idea that help and enablement can look a lot like the same thing. Right. Because obviously we would we would never set out to enable someone right. because that is hurtful. We never right. want to say, well, I don't want to give a guy money that he's going to go buy drugs with. Mm-hmm. But what are the emotional factors? What are the kind uh, of blind spots that lead yeah. to things that – in our mind, as a person, helping might be help, right. but to some, it might end up being enablement in the long run. Well, you know, because you you get caught up feeling sympathy for yeah. a person. Mm-hmm. They're, they're coming to you with a crisis, and you feel like they're asking you for help, but they're also, at, I mean, they may be asking you for $50 to get to a job interview, etc. But you, you also sense that they're asking... For you, do you care yeah. about my do situation? You in me? Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing, which you do. Yeah. So you say, well, I'm not going to say no to the fifty dollar plan because that would make it look like I don't care. And I do care. And I do care. So that, you know, I'll I'll give them the fifty dollars, and we'll just see what happens from there. Uh, well, uh, it's the kind of thing where the the phrase that we use in our in our ministry is, "You don't want too much; you want too little." Yep. Why don't I pick you up? I'll drive you to the job interview. Then, I'll buy us lunch. Then uh, we're having lunch. We're going to eat some hamburgers. We're going to talk about life. We're going to make a whole day of it. We're going to drive around in the car and, and roll the windows down, have a good time, see what we see, figure out about life. This is going to be fun. We're going to have a fun day here. Uh, that's way better than you trying to buy a bus pass and whatever the thing is. So let's figure out how we're going to get that accomplished. So... It, it, I, part of the way that I deal with this is trying to figure out a way to kind of supersize it because that's the thing about enablement. It's it's do this, no less, and no more. Yeah, mm-hmm. tick this box. Yeah, you know the, it's it, you know if, if a guy say, well, you know, uh, I I need uh, you know fifty dollars to get my car out of hock, or I need th- this much money to pay this ticket so I can use my car again, or something like that. You know, it becomes just just this one thing. And if I say to that person, well, I think we could do better than that. I think we could probably solve that problem on a bigger scale so we don't have this happening again and again. So let's look at that situation. No, 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 just give me the money. Then, okay, then then we've we've figured this out. Uh, uh, But if I can say, here's here's what I want to do. I want to let's let's look at the global picture. Let's solve all this. Let's get all the. I'm not afraid of dealing with your problems. Let's get it all out. Let's lay it all out. If I'm helping one part while another part's going down the hill, then you know that's a waste. Let's let's just try and look at it and get our arms around the whole Mm -hmm. thing. So, I think that's attitudinally uh, uh, helps us to care but also work against right. that enablement. That's awesome. That's an interesting point. I like that idea of no more and no less. Mm-hmm. There's something we're, we're aiming for there. And Lee, maybe you can uh, pick that up for us, that it helps to have a very good sense of 
what's my role in this thing? And especially because you don't want to undersell that, but you don't want to oversell it either. Well, definitely. I think one of the things that we've said on the show before, and it's a really, really important, none of us give unsolicited advice. We don't right. just go up to people and start telling them this is what it needs to be. Um, if, if somebody asks for my help, um, as the story starts to unfold, one of the things that I always like to do is ask them, what is it that you want from me right now? Do you just want somebody to talk to? Do you just want somebody to vent to? I'm happy to do that. Or do you want, do you want to lay this out and then would you like some advice on how to move forward or how to make a change or how this could be different or how you could you know, see this thing from a different perspective? It's a good idea to ask those questions because a lot of times, and sometimes people don't know, when they come to you with their issue or their problem, sometimes they don't exactly know what they want to do. But it's a good idea to give people the chance to even set those boundaries with you. So that, you know, because you're asking, how do I be Christian about this? Well, there's certain times where somebody, somebody tells you, here's an issue I'm dealing with. And then you start telling them, you know, six things to do. And I'm guilty of this a lot, actually. And, you know, you start fixing their problem. And then they're like, ho, ho, time out, time out. I just wanted you to listen to me as a friend. And you're like, you know what? That's a really good point. I should have done that. I, I should have listened to you. And this is one thing that I've learned actually a lot from 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 my boss, my, my pastor who's trained me up. And actually, I've learned the same thing from, from Glenn in, in situations that I brought to him. And he says, you know, both of those brothers will say, well, w- what I don't want to do is I don't want to give a stock answer based on, you know, I don't want to shrink somebody's head. A lot of times people that, and, and a lot of times people with, with, you know, counseling experience and stuff like that, sometimes there can be a sense of, well, uh, I've, I've, I've heard five seconds of your story, so now I've put you in category B and in you know drawer number C, and now I know here's the solution to that problem. And one of the things that I've learned from both Tom and Glenn, uh, just from working with them, you know, on, on lots of these kinds of situations, is they do a lot of listening. They want as mm. much information as possible. Tell me more yeah. about that. Let me ask right. you, why did you feel that way? They do so much listening before they ever offer any kind of advice. Okay, 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 I hear that. Let's follow that rabbit trail a little bit. Why do you think that happened? And then they get so much data, and then they can kind of triangulate a signal, and then now let's push this right here. So I think part of that is... The, on the on the you know you don't want to do too much too little whatever one of the things is we want to give the person that we're helping a chance to set a boundary with us and we can do that by asking them what is it that you want from me and making sure that we do a lot of listening and not to decide before we ever go in there what it's going to be that's a very solid point listening is a big deal when we're when we're trying to help someone but even when we're just if we have a friend, a family member, or something who we may end up helping, listening is a big deal on that. And Jed, maybe you can uh, dig into us for what are we listening for? Mm-hmm. Well, often, so let's take a little bit of an extreme case because I think it might be illustrative for, for less extreme cases. So we do a lot of kind of counseling at um, jail and prison facilities, as an example. And um, you sit down with somebody and you say, tell me your story. You know, what are we, you know, what are we looking at? How'd you, how'd you come to be the dude you are today? And for the next 
you know, 10 minutes, whatever it is, you hear a litany of the worst things you've ever heard in your entire life. Yeah. Each each detail is more awful than the thing that came before it. And not in terms of stuff they've done. That's not what I mean. I mean the stuff they've been through, the right, things right. they've they've experienced. Um, and so you hear the first awful thing, and your head starts going, okay, well, what do we do about that, and how do we respond to that? But then you hear the next awful thing, you're like, well, wait, but how do we respond to that, and how do we deal with that? Right. And either your brain explodes, or you realize, okay, I need a, I need a, a, a transcendent wisdom here. Mm-hmm. I, I, need to, I need something that's bigger than these individual pieces. Right. And so the thing that I'm listening for in that case is I'm trying to figure out What's the common thread that runs through all of these difficult, terrible experiences and the lies that go along with them, right? Mm -hmm. So let me explain what I mean for a second. It's a cliche, but it tends to be very true. When parents divorce, the kids often believe, this is my fault, Right. This this happened because of me. That's a lie that the kid believes about themselves based on a thing that they have experienced, right? And and most of us have, have read about that. And again, that's kind of a cliche, but it's also kind of true. It turns out that nearly every traumatic experience in life has its own set of lies that it tempts you to believe about yourself right. having been through it, right? So the thing that I'm listening for in the case of if I'm sitting down with a dude behind bars is he's told me 10 really terrible things that, that he's been through and that he's dealing with. What's the common thread on the stuff he believes about himself and about God and about life based on these experiences that he's been through? Yeah. If I can find that one common thread, and it tends to be there. There, you know, there might be two or three common threads, but you know, if I can find even one, then I begin to have a sense of if this person is open to help, if they're looking for insight, if they're looking for wisdom, if they're looking for advice, if they're looking for a plan, then I have a sense of the kind of shape that that wisdom or plan or advice or strategy would take. Mm-hmm. But if I can't find anything that unites all of this, it's going to be very, very difficult to plot any kind of a way forward. Mm-hmm. In which case, I really just need to keep listening. Right. Because if I listen long enough, and this has been true every time in my experience, if I listen long enough, that common thread will suggest itself. Yeah. All right, now. That's an extreme case. If we look at a more... It's not that it's there's less pain involved, but it's you know just less extreme. You're, you're talking with a, a buddy, and he's got struggles and issues, and Cindy broke up with me, and I'm having a hard time at the job, and I'm not doing too good in school, and mom and dad are mad at me and whatnot. If you keep saying, tell me more. And how mm-hmm. are you feeling about that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do you, you know, what's that like? When did be, this get started? What's when, up? How did this get started? How did this get started? If you keep asking kind of open-ended questions, really just inviting them to share more and say more, what you're likely to find is that just like with the dude behind bars, there's a thread running through all of this. Mm-hmm. There's there's a, a thing. It's something they're believing about themselves. There's something they're believing about God. There's something that happened that got them thinking a particular way about mm-hmm. life. That's the thing that we want to be looking for. Again, he may not be looking for advice or help. He may, as Lee rightly said, he may just be looking for a place just to vent. But until we've got that common thread, we're actually not in a place to help anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we really need that before we're in a place to have much to offer. So both it, it earns the right to be heard the more that we listen, but it also puts us in a position to help more effectively. So I think that's one of the key things we want to listen for is that common thread that's running through everything. Well, and I think it's also important to be able to say, even if you're in that conversation and you're, you're asking the Lord to help you kind of find that common thread and you keep digging and you keep asking, you can't find anything. It's okay to say at a per, you know, to a person in that conversation, 
you know, I really don't know what to tell you, but I would love to pray for you. Yep. And it's okay to not know. And I think yeah. for a lot of folks, especially folks who have no counseling experience or no, you know, they haven't been in these situations, it's okay at, you know, at, at a certain point in that conversation to say, you know, I really don't know, but I do care about you and I would love to pray for you. And, and uh, the next th- time that something comes up, you can come over here and I'll be happy to make you some tea and we can sit down and have the conversation again. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think it's a very interesting point. Glenn, maybe I'd like to get you to uh, talk through. So uh, Lee's mentioned a couple times here, counseling experience, pastoral experience, is very important. And it is a way we come at a lot of questions as we are we are in that kind of, we are in ministry professionals. But let's say we're dealing with this is a totally peer thing. This is okay. high school to high school or college kid to college kid, young person, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. How do you take the these attitudes we're talking about? You're listening to the Lord. You're trying to get some things. You're, you're, you're doing what... Jeff's talking about you're asking open-ended questions, getting more information. Mm-hmm. How do we have the right attitude of trying to help, coming mm-hmm. from a place of wanting that serve, but keeping that humility? Because nothing turns people off to getting help more than the idea that I know and you don't, particularly right. if we're in a situation where that's simply not true. Right, right. How do we communicate, I want to help, I want to dig this out with you, but I'm not coming, I'm not preaching down to you as we put it at the bridge? For sure. You know, what's funny is if you talk to um, professional counselors, people who do nothing but counseling all day, every day, what they will tell you is that they figure out what's wrong with this person in the first five minutes Mm -hmm. of them walking in the door. Uh, but they keep this person talking until they figure it out. Mm. Uh, that that there's always something, and, and sometimes that doesn't happen, and you, you have to say, do you think you have a problem because your parents didn't do a good job of raising you and that they weren't good parents? Do you think that might be, you know, whatever? You don't want to have to force that on them you want them to come to that on their own so that's actually how the pros do it is mm-hmm. is, is is to not uh kind of uh, uh, assert themselves and say I, i'm going to tell you how to see this and whatever but i think uh, more to the point of your question you're saying if i'm you know kind of talking to this person peer to peer and i don't want to um uh, appear to kind of uh, put an agenda on that or something. I think here's the 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 what you want to do is figure out the right attitude. You dial yeah. in that attitude, and yeah. whatever happens behind that, if it's the right attitude, it'll be the right uh, approach. It'll be the right language. It'll have the right tone. All that. Here's the attitude: is um, we're investigating a mystery. Uh, a good good counselors love a good mystery. Um, you're Sherlock Holmes and you're looking for clues. That's what's going on here. Mm -hmm. So somebody comes in and they say, well, you know, uh, I I, I can't keep a job. I just, I have problems keeping a job. Uh, And so, well, that's odd. Why is that? Are you lazy? Are you calling in sick? Are you, have you stolen from the cash register? How, you know, what's it? No, I just, you know, I don't uh, sell a lot of uh, products and my sales job and so on and so forth. So, okay, that's all right. Well, that I, I think that's we could fix that. We could figure out something on that. I I don't know what to tell you, but you know, that seems like a fixable problem. What else? Well, I can't. You know, I I I don't seem to date very much, and 
I, you know, I get attracted to somebody, but then I don't ask him out. You say, well, that, why wouldn't you ask him out? Well, and what if they said no, and I'd be really devastated. And he, as Jed said, we're, we're, we're seeing just on two stories that have nothing to do with each other. If you lay them on top of each other, a low self-esteem immediately asserts itself. Yeah. You know, you don't have confidence to be selling stuff in your work. You don't have confidence to be selling yourself in a romantic sense. If I hear a third problem that has that same thread running through it, I'm going to feel pretty good about yeah. that uh, conclusion. So at some point, if, if this person lays out 12 different things, uh, the two things I need to keep in mind is, number one, that I don't know for sure that, that, that it's low self-esteem or whatever. And it could be low self-esteem. Plus something else. Plus something else. Or the low self-esteem is the symptom of a deeper problem that I'm not looking at yet. So I have to have a humility of I don't have all the answers and I, and, and, and I don't want to be in a place where I have all the answers. I want to uh, uncover the layers of this mystery. That's mm -hmm. more of the kind of thing. And that's communicating care and love and concern to people. They, right. they feel flattered that someone cares enough to really dig deep and let's look at it. Let's really examine this. Let's do this right. I, I don't have anywhere to be. Let's, let's get after this. But then the second thing is uh, to be able to, to help them see that thread as it, as it presents itself. So if it's low self-esteem, you can, I mean, you can say, again, in the, in the vein of asking questions, uh, do, you, do, do you find that you have a, is low self-esteem a part of this? Is that what's going on? Well, no, I don't think of myself as that, in that way. Okay, but then we need to keep talking because I can't imagine what would connect all these things if it wasn't that. Mm. Um, but I, but let's keep talking. Let's figure it out. You know, make your case. I'm, I'm not trying to campaign you here. If, if that's not what it is, it's not that. But, uh, you know, you know, if that's the struggle, then, you know, let's talk about that. Let's figure that out. But I think it's this idea, the more we talk and the more we look at it, the more we turn it over and see it from all different angles, the more we're all going to figure this out together, mm -hmm. right? That's what I'm trying to do every single time I counsel somebody. I'm never trying to say, look, I know, and you don't. You listen to me, and I tell you, and then I you do I am the that. smart guy. Yeah, because that's exactly how it actually works. I, 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 every single person I've ever counseled, I know better than them on all of it. Sure. Just If you just did what I told you to do, your life would be great, Okay. But that's not how life works, you know. Uh, my life would be great if I did everything I knew to do. Sure. You know? <laughs> I'm not listening to myself. If the doctor there. said, eat this, don't eat that, and I just did that, I would yeah. feel a lot better. But yeah. there that's are, not how life works. That's not how life works. There are reasons you're not doing those things. <laughs> right, exactly right. So that's what we want to talk about. Is the reason about. that you yeah. just don't think I'm awesome enough? Yes, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. Is yeah. it. Is it? Is your life a reflection on your feelings about how awesome I am? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that seems like a good and healthy way to go through life. Well, Lee, let's get... Let's uh, kind of start wrapping this up, and let's let's look at a very specific kind of situation, which I have a feeling a lot of folks listening to this might be in, which is not only do I not have an answer, there's actually nothing I can do. You know, if I'm in high school and a friend's telling me about their parents getting divorced. I'm in, you know, I'm in college and there's, you know, uh, somebody's sick or whatever, and they're, I'm in a conversation with this person. It's not that I we're going to figure out a situation. It's a, oh, there's, there's no fix. I'm just here now. So 
there's there's still a way we can go and help. And let's get Lee and you've got a lot of experience kind of counseling people. I'd like to get you to look at two things on this for me. One is what do we do there that is still helpful to this person's life that we can't solve their main situation, and how do we not take responsibility on ourselves? to make them feel better about this awful thing in their life. What's that balance? So I want to encourage, I want to be there, but at some point um, I can't feel like a failure if I didn't make you not sad about your parents' divorce or whatever it is. You know, look at those two things well, for us. Absolutely. I think, I, I think a lot of this goes back to where Jed started us out with that, that verse in, in Philippians chapter 1 and just how the – that actually, you know, actually loving someone is going to give us the discernment and the knowledge and thinking with a heart of love is going to help us know this is what I can do. This is what I can't do. You can, you can encourage someone. You can give them a great hangout, even if they are in the midst of a terrible thing. You can, uh, you know, meet some physical need that someone has either for community or for, or like we were saying, just, you know, fun or whatever. And, and, in my experience, you know, this is something that peers can do really, really well for each other, even if they don't have any of this experience. So what you're talking about, college kid, college kid, I don't know how to change your situation. I actually can't impact it at all. But you know what? You and I can have a great time hanging out tonight. And you can kind of uh, forget about all of that for a little while. And I think that's one thing that you can do. One of the troubles is that when you get into these types of situations, it can be very easy for the person that you're trying to help to feel like, you haven't done enough to help me. And you do have to be able to say, just as you're saying, Matt, there is this kind of tension and a balance in between. There's so much that I can do for you. And yet when I reach the limit of that, when I reach the, the end of what I actually can do, I can't own anything past that. I, I, I can't actually do anything else for you. There, sometimes people won't want your advice, but they want you to stay in the crazy, you know, situation indefinitely. And it's okay for you to, in that situation, say, I've done all I can here. If you want to hang out, if you want to, whatever, we can do that, but I can't, there's, there's nothing else that I can do here. But I think, I think for, for folks in that kind of peer to peer situation, there's a whole lot you can do as far as encouragement and love and hanging out with and try to give them an escape from kind of the, you know, the crappy whatever of the situation. And at the same time to be able to say, I've done everything I can do and that's and and I don't have to feel like a sense of guilt or whatever that that I should have done something else in that. I've done everything I can and that's a good thing to be able to say about yourself. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. I think it's a great way to wrap this up on that that is a great doubt. I hope you really enjoyed the stuff you heard there. We kind of like doing that deeper dive kind of stuff. So let us know, and if the future, if you have a question, you say, hey, I think there's a lot of layers to this. Maybe you guys want to go a couple rounds on that. We're not afraid to do it. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, you can sign up for Bridgebox, missionusa.com, slash Bridgebox, only $8 a month. Help support the ministry, get a lot of cool stuff for ourselves. We're going to take you out with one of Jed's worship songs. It's a great one called Cast My Cares. Take out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. Nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, ladies, remember, Matt's safe word is Jane Austen. (laughs) (laughs) You're a bad person. (laughs) You are seeking sacrifice.